Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations, where we talk about mental health, adversity, spirituality, and societal issues. I'm your host, Bertan Dandia, and join me in this week's captivating discussion with the distinguished psychologist and author, Stan Goldberg. Stan Renowned for his groundbreaking work and research on the often dismissed topic of senior moments, takes us on a journey through the intricacies of aging, memory, and the profound insights he gained, culminating in his insightful book. The conversation kicks off with an exploration of what senior moments truly are. Stan sheds light on the common misconception of these moments as mere jokes. He emphasizes the importance of understanding them as a genuine aspect of aging that deserves careful consideration. Listeners are invited to challenge preconceived notions and approach senior moments with empathy and respect. The episode revolves around practical strategies and insights to prevent senior moments. Stan shares key aspects individuals can focus on to maintain cognitive health and prevent memory lapses. The conversation then takes on an inspirational turn as we start talking about a purpose in life, which is a focal point for many people. Dr. Stan Goldberg is an expert in the areas of aging, human information processing, change, loss, and end-of-life issues. He is a professor emeritus in the Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences at San Francisco State University, and his writing has received 26 national and international awards. For 30 years, he has trained clinicians, taught graduate students, and served the communicative needs of children, adolescents, and adults. For the last 10 years, he has also counseled caregivers and seniors. Dr. Stan Goldberg can be found for presentations or speaking opportunities through press at stangoldbergwriter.com. He is also a regular contributor to psychologytoday.com. I really hope you get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you can leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. brief word for our sponsors. So I would like to talk about deodorants because I'm tired of constantly replenishing my deodorant and then having to worry about disposing those plastic containers. There's a solution for that. Wild. Wild provides a eco-friendly, all-natural deodorant with a sustainable design. They provide a for-life aluminum case. For me, they sent me a personalized case with my name on it. And did I mention you can customize your orders and have these refills delivered straight to your door? This is an all-natural solution where there's no aluminum in the product, just in the case. Go to wearewild.com and use code EASY at checkout for 25% off your first order. All right, Stan, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me this morning. I'm 
really grateful and I've been able to talk to you offline. So I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. It's definitely a different topic that I have not covered and, and definitely an area that I'm interested in. But before we get started, I do want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners and share a little bit about who you are, where you're based. And I really want to then jump into your story. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate that. Um, I taught at San Francisco State University for 25 years. Uh, I retired and thought that my life was going to be blissful. Um, when in fact, the, the first news I got upon retirement, uh, was that I had prostate cancer and it was aggressive after getting over the shock of that and having surgery, uh, I still was, uh, given a indeterminate prognosis. They weren't mm -hmm. quite sure whether they had gotten all of it. Um, and the stage it was at, um, I'm not sure you remember the musician named Frank Zappa. Uh, but he and I shared, you know, prostate cancer. Uh, when they got his prostate cancer, uh, his rating is called a Gleason score, which I won't bother going into now, but it was a nine out of a possible 10. Mine was seven, so it was indeterminate. And it became an issue for me of what am I going to do if, in fact, uh, I only had three, four years to live? Mm -hmm. uh, and through a very serendipitous travel route, uh, I ended up uh, at the Zen Hospice, mm. not for myself, but as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much changed the direction of my life with the experiences I had there. And it ended up, uh, in, I wrote a book called Lessons for the Living, uh, which mm -hmm. was my core of being a hospice volunteer. Um, I eventually had to stop doing hospice after eight years. Uh, because I developed a sleep disorder. I, I know I'm beginning to sound like Job in, in the Bible, uh, but I had a sleep disorder. And with that sleep disorder, it became very difficult for me to be attentive to my patients. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't fair to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I stopped doing hospice and I started realizing that people did not know how to react to me when I told them right. that I had cancer. And and I think a lot of people felt very uncomfortable with that. And I decided, well, why don't I let people know how to talk to me and how to talk mm -hmm. to the ones and acquaintances? So that became the next book. Um, it became, you know, how to deal with someone who has cancer. Mm -hmm. um, then I realized, well, that's good, but there are other forms of acute illnesses that, that people are not addressing or they don't know how to deal with them. Right. And so the next book on, on acute illnesses. And then following that, I wrote my latest, uh, which is on senior moments, because mm -hmm. I was to have them, you know, the things that I used to laugh at my mother for doing, you know, I was now doing them. And, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't really understand why this was occurring. So I started doing some research and I realized that maybe 99% of everything written on senior moments talked about just accepting them and that they're made to be laughed at, but they're not, you know, ask that grandmother who forgets her grandson's name in the middle of a conversation with him, right. how that was. That's not funny. That was no. embarrassing to the grandmother and it was hurtful to the child. So I decided let's let that be the next topic. 
of, of my, my writing. Let's figure out what these things are called senior moments. And even more importantly, what do they tell us about our cognitive future and can we prevent them? Mm-hmm. So I've just condensed 30 years of my history uh, into about five or 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's where I am today. Um, yeah. Looking for the next book. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate all that. And and like you said, you've condensed it. So there's a lot to unpack there. And, and I do want to ask you several questions based on what you've shared, uh, starting with your own prognosis. And I mean, I can't really put myself in your shoes, but not knowing how long you have left to live, I just can't imagine living with that. Because sometimes if you're told, hey, you've got six months, you make peace with that. Or if you've to- been told, okay, you know, your cancer is in remission, then at least you can move on knowing that, okay, maybe you're healthy. You obviously have to be cautious around that too, but not knowing how are you able to move forward and what was kind of, you know, cause there's a sense of purpose, right? When, when you contemplate your mortality, I find, how were you able to make peace with that and then move forward in a positive light? Uh, if that was the case for you. Interesting, because having to face that question turned my life around. Uh, mm-hmm. Up until that point, I mean, I, I led a typical life of a university professor. It was very analytical, uh, very clinical. Um, I did enjoy what I was doing most of the time. Right. Uh, but it was just sort of moving along, almost as if you're driving from San Francisco to Los Angeles on Highway 5, and it's dull and you just drive. Well, Autopilot. Exactly. Yeah. Learning that you might be dead soon is a wake-up. There was a wonderful book written by uh, Stephen Levine called One Year to Live. Mm-hmm. And what he, what he you know, suggested to readers was that what would you do if you knew you had one year to live? What would you, and I thought about that and I thought, you know, as wonderful as that concept is, it was still too far, you know, it's too lasting. So I converted it to myself as what would I do if I knew today was my last day of life? And that puts everything in perspective. Mm -hmm. So things you thought were important, you know, you looked at it and you said, this is ridiculous. I mean, if I write another article, it's more important to spend time with my family. Cares, you know, if, if I do another sculptor, sculpture, it's more important to thank people for what they've done for me before I die. Right. And, and that became the turning point in my life. So far from looking at, at a possible terminal diagnosis as, as something that was frightening, it was actually enlightening. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you've touched on that piece there because I think waking up every day almost was like a gift because you're like, I've been given another gift here and how can I make the most of it? And I think a lot of the times we lose sight of that. As you mentioned earlier, we kind of run on autopilot, letting our fears and our worries and our ambitions, I say, quote unquote, dictate our daily life. And we lose sight of the gift we've been given of life. And for me, that's come through the realization from just getting closer to faith. I don't know how other people do it, but that's just been my journey of recognizing that, yeah, I'm here only for uh, a 
period of time. I don't know how long, but how can I make the most of it? And it's, it's, but that's the beauty of it. It's a constant battle every day that when I get lost in those trenches or I'm letting stress take over, pulling myself back out and reminding myself why I'm actually here and why a lot of the things that are perhaps stressing me out won't matter uh, in the final an analysis anyways. But the other thing you touched on was the book of Job. And it's interesting, right? Because we all go through adversity and I feel like adversity is very subjective for everyone. Um, like my, I guess, form of adversity or some of the challenges that I've gone through in life are relative and I can't compare to someone else or others can't compare to me, but there's something about that story that's really stuck with me and it's deeply profound because of the conviction, right? The tests that come his way and he continues to, to like, I guess, keep moving forward. How was that for you? Cause you made that analogy, right? And, and then, like you said, when you had that experience of having challenges with sleep, I, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that we, we share that the same view, I, I believe about spirituality and the importance yeah. of it. And for me, I, I look at my life in, in two phases, mm -hmm. prior to hospice and after hospice. So I always thought of myself as being very spiritual before hospice. My, my, my parents were Jewish. I really hadn't done anything with Judaism since I was 13 and got bar mitzvah. But uh, I, I was very Buddhist in my orientation. But even with, with being a Buddhist and being spiritual, that spirituality was theoretical. You know, I, mean, I could think about it. I can say, oh, yes, right. you know, I believe in this, believe that. But it's a big difference between believing something and living something. Yes. When I was in hospice, I mean, every day when I left the bedside of my patients, I became a new person, you know, because I had to deal with some of their issues. I mean, but what, what is absolutely fascinating is you will never have a more honest conversation with anybody mm -hmm. other than when they're, they think they're going to die because mm -hmm. it's for have defense mechanisms. They have nothing to gain. So mm -hmm. it's that honesty. And, and I was drawn in every day I was in hospice with, with dealing with spirituality in a very practical method. You know, one, one just real quick example, um, I was caring for a woman who had not spoken to her teenage daughter, well, they were teenagers when she left her husband Right, and she, she was dying and mm -hmm. she, all she wanted was forgiveness from her children. And they refused to talk to her, even contact her. So what I suggested, I said, let's write a forgiveness uh, letter to them. Even if they never see it, who can do this? And, and we did it. And it was, it was an incredible experience, I think, for both of us. But yeah. that, that's an example of taking your convictions and actually applying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it reminds me as we've been talking about this, there's that, I'll paraphrase, I think it's uh, Confucius who said, man has two lives and the second one starts when he realizes he has one. <laughs> Good. I like that. Yeah. I didn't before, but I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so profound, right? And, and I think, so then through your own experiences, 
that, and I do want to get now into that whole senior moments aspect. Why was that important for you? And, and obviously, uh, I, we, we will get into the depths of it because I, I do agree with you. There is that form of humor around it and it's finding the right balance, right? Like I find you should be able to laugh at yourself, but to what extent and where do you draw the line and where do you think, okay, this is perhaps something a bit more significant and you can't just laugh it away. And I see that with my own parents as they're getting older, memory lapses, forgetting things. And it's just, it's like, oh, this just dismissed rather than focusing, okay, why is this happening? How can we be more proactive around this? Yeah. Uh, be sure when, when you're done reading my book, give it to them. I'm, I'm yes. sure they'll get it. Uh, what, what I, I mean, I've always thought of myself as a problem solver. You know, I mean, at university, I spent 25 years working with people that had different kinds of speech and language problems. So for me as a therapist, the idea in my mind was, what can I do to help them solve a problem they're having? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you know, I needed to look at facts, not philosophy, not orientation, facts, what mm -hmm. certain things to happen. Uh, th there was a couple, you know, beautiful lines that were said by, by the Dalai Lama about pre-existing conditions. And he talked about, and I forgot where the discussion was, but someone asked him about, about present events. And he thought about it and he explained to them that nothing happens in a vacuum. There are always preconditions or precursors to anything happening. And that was true for virtually every speech or language disorder that I dealt with, from kids being unable to learn language to adults who've had strokes and become a, became aphasic. So mm -hmm. that was my orientation. You know, there are reasons for this occurring. So when, when you look at a senior moment, mm -hmm. that's where I start. Not, not whether, whether it was funny or not, but rather what could have precipitated this. Mm -hmm. A good example from my life. In the beginning of the book, I talk about, about um, being with a good friend of mine. We were in North Carolina and we were observing a comet. And I, I don't think it was Halley's Comet. It could have been one of the others, but it was about maybe 20 years ago. And he was, you know, he pointed to it in the sky and he said, you know, that, that's 6 million miles. So I, I forgot the exact number, but that's 60 right. million miles from Earth. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, is that from here or your house? And I thought about it. I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. Right. But I then said, why did I say that? What was mm -hmm. the reasons for that? And then th that became the... Uh, precipitous moment for me to look at at other types of senior moments. And the first question I asked were, well, are all of these the same? Is that kind of a statement the same as a grandmother forgetting her, her grandson's name, as uh, my wife losing her glasses 20 times a day, as me forgetting my keys? And as I looked at all of these events, I realized there isn't just one type of senior moment. There's actually nine. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, can I understand them better by trying to trace the, their development on what caused them? Mm -hmm. And that, that blew, for me, that blew up 
all the literature on senior moments because right. I realize that if you look at any of these senior moments, the, some of the, the precursor events had to do with how we process information. Mm-hmm. And if we can find out how we're doing this, we can, we can locate where that error occurred. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a, a very good example. Sure. This was, this was a client that I had <laughs> who uh, was going to pick up dinner at his favorite restaurant to take home. And, you know, he had been there 30 times, 40 times over the past year or two years. And so he knew where it was. He got lost from his house going to the restaurant. And he absolutely panicked mm-hmm. because in his mind, the question was, is this the, the, the beginning of dementia? Right. And we looked at it and we, we tried to analyze it. So what were the precursor events? Well, there's a whole lot going on before he actually became disoriented. He was wearing a new pair of glasses. You know, his daughter had just gave him some terrible news. He was, had difficulty at work and he didn't sleep very well the night before. So, you know, these are our precursor events. Because of that, he wasn't processing the information like he usually did. Mm. Being aware or being able to retrieve, you know, an internal map of how to get from his house to the other place, his mind was occupied by other things. Right. So, you know, we were able to walk that through. And what I said to him was, well, you know, if it happens again and none of these factors are prevalent, then it might be time to make an appointment with a neurologist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it happened again. Right. The, that, that's the kind of processing I think people need to do when, when they're looking at saying, okay, this is, you know, this is a senior moment. Should I laugh at it? Mm. Or, you know, is there a way that I could prevent this from happening again? Now, right. I, I never, I never asked my friend if a star was 8 million miles from his house to where we were at the time, because I understood, had a better understanding of why I asked that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest piece what I'm picking up here is often with the humor, we we tend to dismiss it rather than, to your point, analyzing it and understanding yeah. what could have led to this moment. Now, a bunch of questions for, on my end here, but how far back can these precursor moments go? And I'm wondering if, you know, if you're someone who's habitually stressed or you're always worrying or you've got this tendency to ruminate about the past, are you more susceptible to these senior moments, as you mentioned, because sometimes if there's misalignment or you've been stressed throughout the day, those can happen. But I wonder how far back these moments can go. I'm not sure how far back they can go. They, I think it, they can go back a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've worked with people with PTSD, yeah. you know, uh, with events that happened in their childhood. And, you know, if something is similar that's occurring, right. you know, it's going to be come through. But I, I think that what, what you need to do is you know, if you're, if you want to think about whether this is something to be concerned about, there are, are four things to think about. Okay. One in, is the context. What is occurring, you know, right before or during that senior moment? Mm-hmm. The second is the type of senior moment. I said before, there are nine different types and how severe it is and how frequent. So when 
when you look at all of those four variables, when you're looking at, should I laugh at this senior moment or be concerned? It'll give you the answer. And, and I mean, we're obviously talking about senior moments here, but as you were explaining, even in that example you gave where, you know, the individual forgot or they were picking up their, their food delivery, but I've had moments where, you know, if I'm stressed or if I haven't slept well, or I've got a lot on my mind, I will tend to forget things like simple as, oh, if I had an appointment or if I had to pay a bill or something, I'll, I'll, those, those things will slip my mind. So I wonder if there's a, like an age differentiator, or it could happen to people irrespective of age, depending on the stressors. Senior moments don't start when you're 50. You know, they can happen at any time. You know, I, I always found it to be helpful to think of your brain mm-hmm. 12-inch pie, 12-inch apple pie. Right. There's just so much that's there. If you are trying to focus on something, so let's say you're, you're, you're writing an article or you're preparing to do your next interview. You want to use as much of that pie as you can to produce as great a product as possible. Mm-hmm. But what happens if 10 inches of that pie is taken up by problem that you have, you didn't sleep, you're not, you're not concerned, you haven't prepared enough for this interview? All of that is going to interfere with your ability to focus. So instead of having a full 12 inches, you're now left with an inch and a half. Okay. Right. So, and, and that happens constantly. Now, so the question then becomes, well, if that happens, what can I do to prevent that? And, and that's, or in the book, there are nine strategies. Mm-hmm. Can be, some are, are more appropriate for, for that kind of problem than others. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, one of the things that we know is a, a lack of sleep will definitely impair your brain. Right. What many people also don't know is dehydration not only affects your muscles, it affects your brain. Right. There are other things that are going on that will prevent you from tapping back into various parts of your memory that allow you to function efficiently currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I suppose one of the things that, again, jumping out to me is often people when they're stressed obviously the first thing that people will compromise in most cases i've seen is sleep but another aspect is uh intoxicants right like whether it's alcohol or other narcotics or drugs is i'm assuming obviously that also impacts people oh like if there's there's yeah so look you know uh it, it was interesting i was at a a workshop many years ago and uh, there was a young monk from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. He was uh, you know, very soft-spoken, very precise. And one of the pre- precipitants wanted to, I thought he tried, was trying to, to make points with the monk. So he was trying to have the, the monk uh, have him differentiate between different types of meditation. And he went on and on. And eventually he stopped talking, allowed the monk to speak. And, and I'll never forget it. The monk looked at him and said, meditation is nothing 
but a psychological game. Mm -hmm. and And he went on to explain that the purpose of meditation, no matter what you're doing, is to calm the mind. Right. And meditation can occur when you, you do sitting meditation. Uh, it can occur when you are cooking. It can occur when you're weeding the garden. Uh, yeah. You know, and anything that calms the mind makes it much easier for you to be aware. And, and awareness is, is the first part of of that of processing information that's critical. So if you have a problem of awareness, you know, you're going to see that affected down the line and sometimes in the form of a senior moment, right. you know? So yeah, you, you can increase your awareness a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of different, very specific tactics that can be used for increasing awareness. One very simple one that I talk about in the book is slowing down. The problems people don't realize as they get older is there becomes a discrepancy between what they think the brain is capable of handling and what it really can handle. Right. So um, th- there's a thing called uh, speech perception, mm-hmm. and that's the ability to attach meaning to what we're listening to. Right. As we grow older, that changes and you know that explains when when people start complaining about not being able to understand the uh service representatives who are let's say from from pakistan or from mexico or from india and and the assumption is they're being xenophobic no they might be xenophobic but the problem is the parameters of what they can understand have diminished Mm-hmm. So if with speech perception, one way of, of correcting that problem is you ask people to speak slower. Mm-hmm. Slowing down the rate of speech substantially increases comprehension. And, and there are lots of strategies and methods that can be used for almost any form of senior moment. Mm-hmm. There are, however, that are more difficult. And the, the one that, that I would be most concerned about is disorientation. Now, you know, the, the example I gave of, of my client going to a restaurant, that was disorientation, but that could be explained away. If you, you know, let's say everything was fine. He had no problems, no issues. He got used to the glasses and he still became lost. Okay, that says something is going on, something internally is going on that prevents him from tapping into an internal map, which is there, how to get from his house to the restaurant. And something like that says time to call a neurologist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've touched on the aspect of awareness and and you've given some examples, but for the benefits of the listener, are you able to expand on how can they become aware of what may be happening, right? So we've talked about the sleep, the dehydration, the disorientation, (laughs) perhaps if you can expand on that, if there's other. Here's an example from my life. Yeah. Uh, When things were were not going well, when I was having both medical problems and personal problems, 
Uh, I would often forget my wallet or my keys or my cell phone when I left the house. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it became a real problem. Like I was going to the university and I was expecting phone calls on the cell phone. You know, I wasn't going to be there. Um, if I forgot the keys, obviously I would know right away because I couldn't get into the car. Right. But with without a wallet, you know, I've got a problem. If, if I'm stopped, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to identify myself? How can I pay for gas? So for me, then the question became less of why this was occurring and more, what can I do to stop it? Mm-hmm. Well, what we know from research is the more concrete we can make something, the more likely it is we will remember it and the more likely we can rely on it to perform adequately. Mm-hmm. So I did something very simple. Okay. How many items do I need before I leave the house? Well, I need three. Okay. What would happen if I put a big number three, pasted it in the front of my door, so I couldn't leave the house unless I saw that three? I immediately stopped forgetting those items because right. they were there. And the important thing about those kinds of behavioral changes changes is they don't last if you do it just once. You, you have to take that memory and you're going to have to reinforce it by repeating that, whatever that is you're doing, over and over and over again. So I did that. That was five years ago. When I walk out of the house now, almost subconsciously, I feel my pockets. I know where my cell phones should be. I know where my wallets and keys are. I do not forget them at and that can be done, you know, that is it's a queuing system, but there are other methods as well that could be done with virtually every form of senior moment. Right, right. Okay. And and one of the things we've touched on it and you and I talked about offline too, but I'm curious around what can people do to be more proactive, right? And one of the things I was wondering, and I, and I asked you when we talked offline, but was around diet, uh, because there is an aspect of diet that can impact your cognitive capabilities. But just wondering if you can expand on how can people be more proactive, whether it's diet related or, or any other things they can do to improve that memory or just prevent or be more proactive when it comes to those moments. I'll, I'll tell you a story about my mother. Um, I gave her great problems by changing my major week to week. She got to the point where she really didn't know what I was doing. I, when I eventually told her that I was going for a doctorate in speech language pathology, I thought she knew what that was, but probably not. So I heard a conversation she was having with a friend. And she was explaining that, yes, he's, he's going to be a doctor, not the type that helps people. <laughs> so I, I, I have to rely on that. You know, I think I help people, but I'm very reluctant to give opinions about uh, medicine or prescriptions. Right. In the, there is a chapter, though, on, on nutrition. Um, and what I've looked at, though, is the primary research on, on specific types of minerals, vitamins, uh, the role of fats 
But then I, I don't feel comfortable making a recommendation about any of that. Mm-hmm. But in the book, you know, there are many references. And, and what I would encourage people to do before buying some pr- proprietary drug on television with a little uh, disclaimers in a font you can't read is to look at the research, see yeah. what, what, uh, what has been effective and what not, and then make your own decisions. Right. Right. But are there anything like, I mean, without prescriptions, if you kind of, you know, you touched on the dehydration piece, so obviously drink enough water, make sure you're hydrated, but are there any other things that we know naturally that we should be avoiding or doing more of that can help and based on the research you've come across? There may be, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I mean, everything that, that I've looked at, um, has qualifiers that Mm -hmm. data isn't complete or there weren't enough subjects. Or again, if you look at any of these products that are advertised on TV, and again, I I have a rule. If something is is listed in a font that I can't read, something is wrong with this product. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And you'll, you'll see that disclaimer if you stop your 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 uh, your TV, your monitor, and blow it up. You can see it says, you know, despite everything we're saying here, nothing has been proven to be effective by the, by the yes. FDA. So Absolutely. look at that, you know, before yeah. you decision. Yeah, yeah, and and just to throw in a plug, I've done an episode on psychometrics and data, um, and just to educate people around when you're coming across research that suggests certain things always be weary and, and look into it. And there's so many, some of the things you touched on from a qualifying the data as well is what's the number of subjects? Was it a longitudinal study? Is there validity and reliability within the studies? And then try to adopt or accept some of the recommendations that those studies provide, because yeah, there could be a lot of misleading information. Sometimes if you, if you come across a study, you may find a follow-up study that would refute some of the data they've been able to conclude. So it's very important to educate yourself and be aware of what you're coming across. And to your point, reading the fine print. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Is there anything, Stan, you feel like we haven't covered when it comes to senior moments? Like I know we touched on awareness and, and you, you, you know, you use your personal example around having certain cues, but is there anything else people can do to, to help themselves? Absolutely. There, there is, there was a really interesting study that people have tend to ignore. It was done in 2013, uh, by Goodwin and Miller. And what they did was they were looking at, this was actually, the, the study was, was, was designed for teachers. And they wanted to figure out what was necessary in order to teach creativity to Mm -hmm. to children. And they went through a lot of the research and they were able to identify six very specific uh, skills that kids needed to be creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I went over those and I said, hmm, these are interesting because they also sound like what people do with cognitive activities. 
said, maybe, maybe there's maybe there's nothing that different between creativity and cognitive activities. Mm-hmm. And then came the interesting research that looked at whether it was possible to grow new neurons and neural connections mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's. And they found that it, that they did, which was astounding to many neurologists because forever the assumption was once these cells die, they're dead. Mm. Well, they're saying, no, they're not. So I thought, okay, what if uh, we combined all of the things together? What do we have? Do we have any very specific recommendations for seniors? And, and we did. So very, let, let me very briefly just go over each sure. one of these, these categories Absolutely. and real by providing an example. Okay. The, the, first, um, the first skill they thought was important was in being creative, you need multiple answers based on available data. So let, let's give that some, some meat. We're going to make a Mexican mole, chicken mole. And um, I'm finding that in the recipe, it says that I should use Mexican chocolate, but I only have Safeway chocolate. Okay. So I've got, do I have more answers, you know, with available information? I said, yeah, maybe. Um, I need to, to change the, my chocolate. I need to get, really, I need to go to the store and get the Mexican chocolate and forget the Safeway. So I now have used their first skill. The second one is constant analysis of what's being created. Mm. Okay. Put the chocolate in. I, I put in um, the Safeway chocolate because I decided I don't have time for the Mexican chocolate. And I taste the sauce. Okay, I'm now doing the constant analysis. And what do I find? I've ruined the dish. Mm. It's, it's totally bitter. So now I'm into the third skill, which is to redraft and start over again. So I've got a disaster on my hands. Throw it down the sink and I'm off to the store and, and I'll buy my Mexican chocolate and start all over again. Okay, but now I'm so late that I'm going to run into a problem. I have, the dish requires an hour and a half for me to cook. Mm-hmm. I've got people coming in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, what can I change? So now I have to engage, this is the fourth one, engage in complex and creative problem solving. So what do I do? Hmm. Um, I decide to do something very different that's not in any recipe book. I can I can say to myself, okay, I can use I can use convergent and divergent thinking. They're saying mm-hmm. you combine. So with convergent thinking, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do anything different. But all I got to do is if I pour enough wine for these folks, you know, they're not going to care how long we're waiting for dinner. Yeah. Or I can use divergent thinking, which is I'm going to now solve it differently, mm-hmm. and I say. Okay, what about if I microwave some of the stuff? And, and that's what I do. So now I've, I've done that and now everything is ready. And now before they take that first taste, I go to the sixth skill, 
which is asking what if questions. So in my mind, I'm saying, what if what I created is so inedible that people are going to leave? Uh-huh. My answer is frozen pizza. Okay. So now I, I have gone through six skills in order to solve problems. If you look at these skills, you can apply. They're all present in almost anything that's creative or cognitive. I use the same skills when I write, when I sculpt, you know, when I'm having a conversation about people. So that, that, that's the framework. That's the context. Yeah. So now how does this apply to someone uh, who is a senior? You need to do more activities that are either creative, cognitive, mm -hmm. and spend time on the couch watching reruns of Law and Order. Mm -hmm. right? and, and that is something that I think can be done so easily. And I'm not saying I'm not saying don't watch Law and Order. I, I enjoy you know Law and Order, but you don't binge on it. You you know, think about about the health of your brain in two ways. It needs stimulation and it also needs rest. Right. So through cognition, cognitive activities, and creative activities, you are doing what's necessary to grow new neurons and neural connections. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you're going to get tired and you want to give the brain a break. And that's when you do your potato couch. Right. Yeah. To me, to me, that's something that people can do immediately. Absolutely. And, and I appreciate that as you walked through the six steps. And I think for people, uh, at least based on my experience, it's easy to apply that logic when it comes to your physical health, because most people understand, okay, I need to like do different physical activities to activate different muscles, but people don't tend to apply that same logic, at least what I find to their brain. And it's the same thing. You want to be able to stretch your brain, challenge yourself in different ways, cognitively, and then making sure you're building in that time for rest, uh, because that's how I think you induce that plasticity within your brain. Right. And as we talked, so touched on, uh, the new neural connections and making sure you're strengthening those connections if you're trying to build some some of those strengths. Uh, but there's another aspect here, and I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because uh, I read a book recently on transpersonal psychology, and and there's this, the author kind of draws these parallels where there is that cognitive development that needs to happen for people. But then on top of that, you can stretch yourself and layer it, or it could happen individually is a spiritual development. I wonder if you've come across research or what your thoughts are on how people can, through a spiritual practice or development, also strengthen whether it's your brain or just your way of looking at things and perhaps having more agency and being able to work through some of these senior moments as we've described. Well, I haven't seen anything specifically about that, but, mm -hmm. but I... I think you can you can use that by looking at at two categories of strategies that work for preventing senior moments. Mm -hmm. One are specific strategies, and these are things such as and I mentioned before about slowing down, using cues, uh, reinforcing memory. There's there's like fifty of those in the book that can be used, mm -hmm. and 
a lot of those are tailored very specifically for the specific type of senior moment one has. But there are others that are global. So uh, you know, I mentioned hydration, yes. rest, meditation, all of those. But I think spirituality, uh, I would, you know, although I didn't write about that, I, I think, you know, and I, I wish I'd spoke to you before I wrote it because I would have included it in the book. Uh, but I, I think that is equally as important. I think what, what spirituality does, at least for me, is it creates a sense of calmness. Yes. Uh, and that calmness allows my brain to function at a much higher level than if I didn't, if I didn't think about the more global issues in life. Right. So that's about the best I can do on that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I ask, because I think for me, what I've come to learn, and this is just my personal journey and practice, uh, is I, I try to spend equal amounts of time investing in my physical health, my mind. So it's like body, mind, and spirit. And I try to prioritize all three equally and making sure I'm stretching and challenging and prioritizing all three. So it's like we, we were talking about the physical and the mind aspect where you're ensuring you're challenging yourself and then you're giving yourself that rest. I tend to do that on the spirit front too. And this is something I've really prioritized more recently. But to your point, it does bring me a sense of calmness. And for me, I find where I'm at my best is when I'm operating in some of those higher energy levels of love, peace, unity, I would say. And that comes through strengthening the spirit, but that also helps me be more present, be more focused and, and just more grounded. Oh, I, I agree with you. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about an activity that I can no longer do that incorporate all of those. There was a, a time I used to do wilderness fly fishing where I would mm -hmm. go out by myself, completely away from everyone. And it was, it was an incredibly important experience. And the reason it was is, you know, standing in the middle of a stream, you know, being very quiet, nobody around was incredibly spiritual. Um, I had to think about where I was going to place the fly in order to fool the fish. That yeah. was my mind. And then in order to find that spot, that magical spot, I needed to wade through, let's say, 100 yards of fast-moving water. So, yeah, I, I think that's great. I, I think that's, that's why it used to be such an important event for me, because it did all three. Right. So, yeah. Terrific idea. Yes, yes. Um, just last question, I guess, as we come to an end, though, I know we you touched on the nine categorizations, if I could call it that, of senior moments. Are you able to share those with the listeners? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'll, I'll give a very brief example of each. Uh, the first and the most common one is forgetting names or numbers. You know, mm -hmm. uh, example I gave before of the grandmother forgetting her, her grandson's name. The second is you know, repeating stories or asking questions. I'm sure you've you you have friends, maybe older friends, um, who you say, my God, this is the fourth time that they've told that story. Okay. Yeah. That's a different type of senior moment. The third is uh, misplacing objects. And you know, see you're wearing glasses. Uh, how many times a day do you forget where you, you put your glasses down? 
you know, my, my wife drives me crazy. She'll do it 10 times a day. Yeah. Uh, another is, is called is substituting words. So it's less common, but it tends to happen. You know, you want to call some, you know, say you, 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 my wife's name is Wendy uh, and I'm in a group and I, and I refer to her as Ann. Well, you know, that's embarrassing, but that's a different type of senior moment. Right. Uh, the next type is called sequencing problems. And you know, an example would be uh, I'm at my computer. I'm doing some writing and I want to go upstairs and get a cup of coffee. So I go upstairs and by the time I'm up there, I think, why am I here? Okay. That's a different type of senior moment. The next type is difficulty completing tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we often refer to it as procrastination, right. but it tends to be more of a problem as we get old. And um, there are strategies for, for how to deal with that as well. The next one is conflating memories. I mean, how often have you been with, with, with someone and they're talking about something that happened and you think to yourself, that didn't happen like that. That's right. two different things they're putting together. That's yeah. another senior moment. Um, the second to the last is difficulty understanding. Right. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One I gave before uh, um, involving speech perception problems. Uh, but there are other issues. There are sometimes people have uh, their mini strokes where you really don't know they've had a stroke, but there starts to be a problem with understanding. Mm-hmm. And the final one is disorientation. And I gave examples mm-hmm. of that yes. um, where you, you get lost. Uh, it's happened to me once in, in a mall when I was going to meet my son. And I didn't realize that all of the openings to the mall were identical. So mm-hmm. I'd be very disoriented. So the, those are, are the nine types. Each of them is caused by different types of learning problems. Each has specific methods that can be used to change them or to prevent them. And each of them is amenable to a lot of the global strategies we talked about. And all of them are in the book that's currently available called Preventing Senior Moments, How to Stay Alert into Your 90s and Beyond. And it's available on Amazon, all of your local booksellers, and uh, the variety of other online sellers. That's great. That's great. And it's funny, one of the things, as you were sharing those nine different categorizations, it's interesting that we have gone backwards in a way sometimes I find like in terms of behaviors that should reinforce and prevent those moments. But simplest one I can think is like people don't feel the need to remember numbers now, right? You have your phone and you program the number. I can't, I I mean, I luckily I remember my parents' number, but that's the only number I have to memory. And I find like we're almost like debilitating ourselves, right? And pushing ourselves closer to those moments by obviously there's a lot of convenience and technological advancements, but I find at what cost? Uh, I'll give you one final story at the, the, in terms of what cost. This was the number of years ago when GPS was just coming out for personal use. And I was visiting my friend in North Carolina. He lives up in the mountains of Boone. And I flew into Charlotte. So I had my, at that time, it was a Magellan handheld. Yes. 
And uh, I decided not to bother with a map anymore because I had this wonderful electronic device. And so there was no problems taking me from Charlotte to close to Boone. And then it started taking me on a dirt road. And I knew this wasn't the right way, but I did not have a map and I didn't remember how to get there, but I had an electronic device. Right. So I'm going to listen to Siri no matter what. And I'm driving up this dirt road and I see a giant sign that said, stop. This is private property. Regardless what Siri told you, you are not on Black Hawk Road. And that was the last time I decided, you know, to, to rely totally right. on electronic device. And yes, I have a lot of problem remembering numbers. Yeah, yeah, and that story reminds me. I don't know if you've ever watched The Office, but they're following the GPS, and it takes them straight into, uh, I think it was a lake. And yeah, they drive right into it because they're like, that's what the GPS is saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, Stan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your insight and wisdom. And uh, it was such a pleasure having you on here and hearing everything you had to share. I know you talked about the book, but I do want to give you an opportunity to share how listeners can find your work online or find you if they wanted to. What are some ways they can do that if you want to share that again? Well, I have I have a website, and the website is Stan Goldberg Writer W R I T E R dot com, and on that site I have over two hundred articles that I wrote uh, dealing with aging, chronic illness, cancer, end of life, a lot of issues, and they're all free and downloadable. People can do that. They can ask me. questions and I usually respond in 24 hours. And I've just recently been asked to be a regular contributor to Psychology Today. So uh, articles should shortly appear, usually one a month there. Awesome. Very, that's very cool. So again, yeah, thank you, Stan, for coming on here. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for checking out this episode with Dr. Stan Goldberg. As always, please leave a review or a comments in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Thank you for checking out all the episodes in this calendar year of 2023. I'm excited to come back in 2024 with more content and continuing to do this. I hope you have a happy new year and a great start to 2024 until next week.